Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head, sung by B.J. Thomas and immortalized in the 1969 Academy Award-winning Western film Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, starring Paul Newman and Robert Redford as two infamous outlaws. Perhaps one of the most memorable scenes in the film was Paul Newman riding through farm fields on his new bike, with Catherine Ross sitting on the handlebars, with this song playing in the background. The bicycle was invented in 1817 by a German baron named Karl von Dross. Dross invented his Luft machine, German for running machine, in 1817. It was patented in 1818 and was the first commercially successful two-wheeled, steerable, human-propelled machine, commonly called a velocipede, and nicknamed hobby horse or dandy horse. It was initially manufactured in Germany and France. As the coronavirus shrinks life in major Canadian and American cities, limiting pastimes and discouraging use of buses and subways and other forms of mass transit, hundreds and thousands of us are flocking to one of the most basic forms of mobility, the bicycle. Well, hi, Cam. How are you today? Good. Just got in from a great ride outside. A little warm, but uh, quite refreshing. Well, that leads us right into our uh, discussion for this week of the space on the rise of the bicycle. As you know, I've been uh, riding since high school. Uh, my dad, uh, well, a heart specialist, suffered a triple bypass, and when I turned 16, my rightfully would have been taught how to drive by him. Uh, he wasn't able to, to do that, of course, um, because he was recuperating. So what he and my mother did was buy me, a, a, you know, my sort of first great bike, and I've been basically riding ever since. Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting, you know, during this pandemic, you know, in the research I did on, on bicycle sales in the last little while, it's, it's quite staggering. Um, the number of people that are out trying to buy bicycles. So I, I found a great article in the um, New York Times that talked about the increase in, in sales of bicycles. And uh, in March, nationwide sales of bicycles, equipment and repair services nearly doubled compared with the same period last year, um, according to an NPD market research company. Sales of commuter and fitness bikes in the same month increased by 66%. Leisure bikes jumped by 121%. Children's bikes went up 59%. And electric bikes went up a staggering 85%. And I think we should uh, differentiate that, that, you know, commuter bikes, um, from people that don't know, are sort of like a mountain bike. They've got a nice thick tire. Uh, it's for people that ride downtown so you don't get stuck in sewer grates or streetcar tracks. And the other one, I think you said uh, recreational, they're more for riding in your neighborhood, going to the store, maybe going on bike paths. Yeah, it's um, it's fascinating. You know, the the um, number of people I see out riding bikes on a daily basis is is quite, quite large. Um, and I guess, you know, part of this, um, I guess the impact of the coronavirus has been that, you know, people are at home, they're self-isolating, they need to get outside. Um, According to the research, you know, they're, they, they're uncomfortable taking mass transit at this point in time. And so the bicycle becomes a, a logical alternative, both to get exercise and, and, um, and obviously to have some fun. And, and you know, it, and it reduces hydrocarbon emissions. So I think in all respects, very, very positive. It seems like now, though, um, cities are starting to look at accommodating the bicycles uh, more so than they have in the past. 
for sure. Here in Toronto, and I'm sure it's the same way out in BC and places like Vancouver, uh, there have been a lot of bike lanes added to major thoroughfares and uh, a, a fight, you know, or, you know, or not a fight necessarily, but a, a campaign to let's open up Bloor Street and get a bike lane and, and put bike lanes in. So many more people are running. And I think, as you said, with the coronavirus, um, you know, people say, well, why don't you just go out for a drive? Well, there was no real places you could drive to. Nothing was open. Parks were closed. You're supposed to stay away from people. You know, you can. It's, social distancing is easy on a bike, right? And it's sure. more of a rec recreational adventure. You know, you, let's go out for a ride. It's not just going out for a drive. It's going out for a ride, exploring your city. Yeah, and, I, and I'm pleased to see that cities are starting to, as I say, make accommodations for bicycles. I mean, I know it's upsetting certain people, but for the most part, I think it's a really positive um a positive thing and a move in the right direction. Uh, you know, I see people that I've never seen on bicycles before running to buy bicycles. And judging by the sales numbers I've seen at West and, and back East and and in other parts of the United States, you know, they can't even keep these things on the shelves. There's lineups outside of bike shops every day. Yes, for sure. I talked to David who um, works at Gears. That's where I bought my e-bike um, through them. And I called him and talked to him yesterday, and he said at one point in March, there was a week where they sold 65 bikes in a week, right? So that was pretty phenomenal. And I know, I'm not sure about what, it, what it's like out your way, but uh, here in the East, at least in Toronto, I know of a couple of bike stores, uh, Psychopath as well as Gears, that for a while weren't doing their seasonal overhauls. They couldn't. They didn't, they didn't have the the time on the employee capacity because they were simply helping people to pick up their bikes. If you had uh, bought a bike there and say blown a tire or your brakes were gone, they would certainly fix that. But they only are now just starting to offer, you know, bring your bike in for a day or two, we'll overhaul it uh, right. and give it the repair. Uh, how have you found it out there? I mean, BC's always been very bike friendly. Well, again, I've seen a, a huge increase. I mean, I know in Vancouver, they've closed Stanley Park off to vehicle traffic, um, as well as part of Beach Avenue. So these now these areas are now flooded with bicycles. I mean, it's a way for people to get in and out of the city. So you can't go in there by car, but you can ride there. Yes, absolutely. You know, and I think in cities where people are packed closely together, the bicycle is a really great way, as you mentioned before, to maintain social distancing, uh, but also to have some fun and with you know, the reduction in, in um, car traffic, it means that you can actually get places in a reasonable amount of time on your bicycle. Yes, yes, for sure. There was a recent article in CBC saying, though, that we have an unprecedented problem now in Canada, and that, that is that we're running out of bikes. And that's particularly at the entry level, from what I understand, is that the less expensive bikes, you know, the uh, to $600 have been sold out of almost every store. So Walmart and, and some of the big uh, box stores, Target and Walmart have uh, completely cleaned out of bicycles. So there's a huge back order of bicycles. And part of the problem, of course, is supply chains have been reduced as a result of, or impacted as a result of the virus. So they're having difficulty getting uh, bikes in from China, for example. Um, so it's been a real problem. And people out here are waiting months to get their bike. Well, what about places that um, are based in Canada, places like Canadian Tire? Don't they, uh, don't we, or doesn't Canadian Tire build their own bikes? Or are they just sold out as well? 
Well, I, my understanding is they're sold out as well. I, I mean, they, they do build bikes there, but I think all the parts come from China or elsewhere. So I, don't, I think very few of them are actually made um, fully in Canada. And that's part of the problem is it's not just the bikes themselves, but it's any kind of replacement parts that people are having a hard time getting. And because everybody's now looking for a bike, um, it makes it even more problematic. Yeah, for sure. I know that uh, you're a recent uh, e-bike owner. I've been one for about a, for a little over uh, a year or so. And um, some of the parts for my e-bike uh, come from as far away as Germany. Now, before COVID, it didn't, you know, it took maybe a week to get a part in or whatever like that. But um, certainly now for sure, uh, with things slow, you know, slowing down or have been slowing down, it would be more difficult to do that. How are you? Uh, how are you and the wife enjoying your e-bikes? Oh, we love them. Now, luckily, we got the them before the pandemic started, but they're a fantastic way to get around. I mean, the benefit of the e-bike, of course, is that in terms of its exercise, like a normal bicycle, maybe not quite as much if you're using the power mode, but it allows you to go much further. So. You know, my wife and I go out on bikes, 50-kilometer rides, 70-kilometer rides um, on a regular basis. So we cover a lot more ground. Um, we're not quite as tired or sweaty when we get back. But again, you know, with the e-bikes, you can decide to pedal in manual mode or in power-assisted mode or use full power. And they're a lot of fun. I mean, it's like being a kid again, being able to ride these bikes. I was looking at some data in the in the U.S. and Europe, and... Um, you know, there's a company, like a Dutch e-bike manufacturer, that was saying that they are uh, 10 weeks in back order for commuter e-bikes compared to a typical one-day delivery time. And the company's sales surged 138% in the U.S. and rocketed 184% in Britain in the February-April period over last year, uh, with huge gains in other European companies. So, they're, you know, these companies are scrambling to wrap up, ramp up production as fast as they can. But, you know, it's it's for a lot of them, it's taking between two and three months to meet the demand. And, and my bikes, which I bought from a company in Seattle, the same thing holds. I know people that have since tried to order theirs. When I ordered mine, it took two days to get from Seattle to my house. Now it's three months. Wow. Well, I know that a lot of times when I'm out and about uh, cycling, and I from time to time at least once a week anyways i would say uh i have someone stop me oh is that an e-bike or they, they know where hey is that an e-bike they want to know about it uh what i like about it you know where i got it the prices and that stuff so the interest is is really there let's just say almost every week i have someone stop and ask me about it and, and one of the things i love about it being um you know suffering from severe arthritis in my right knee it's n i i can ride longer um now, because if the knee gets sore, I, I can, you know, just use full assistance, right? So it's great. I've also, some e-bikes have a throttle, so I've got a throttle. If I hit a hill and I, I don't want to get off the bike, but I also don't want to pedal, I can use the throttle. So, um, yeah, I, I love it. It's, it's great. Yeah, well, a lot of experts are predicting that this is sort of the way of the future, that we're not, you know, even even if we get a handle on this pandemic, it's not going to mean a reduction in the sales of bikes and especially e-bikes. They're actually predicting that this will be a trend going forward into the future. And I think, it, you know, it's it's a great idea. 
and as I say, there's so much fun. These e-bikes, uh, I can't, uh, I can't say enough about them. I, I just have such fun on them. You know, when I go out now, if I want to go grocery shopping, I just hop on the e-bike as opposed to taking the car. Um, ride down to the grocery store. I have uh, baskets that are integrated into the bike and I can do all my grocery shopping and, and come home. I can go out to the local uh, pub or, or the bar for a drink and take my e-bike and avoid going down major roads and I can take them through uh, parks and, and um, you know back roads and things like that. And uh, so, I, I, you know, I, again, I think they're a terrific idea. The bags I love too. I was, it was suggested when I was getting my first bike, um, to get them and I kind of turned, I, I said, you know, it looks kind of nerdy to me. Now I love it. I've got two, uh, one on either side of the bike and you know, they can hold two, two liter bottles of, 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 of soft drinks or pop or whatever. I hold all sorts of groceries and stuff like that. So it's, it's really, um, not, that's been a benefit too. And I think too, for um, when you look at certain parts of the world, you look at France, for example, Whenever you look at a picture of Paris or something, you see tons of bikes. There's certain parts of Europe and I think in Scotland too, where recycling has been a major part of commuting for, for quite some time. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, and, and again, the nice thing about bikes and e-bikes is you don't need insurance. So that cost has gone, has gone away. You don't need uh, to pay for parking, at least not at this point in time. Um, you know, and you're getting the exercise. So I, I, I do really think that this is a, a trend that's here to stay. Maybe we should talk a little bit about the e-bikes and, and for people that don't um, know them and, and, you know, how they work, the various options they have. So you mentioned that you can either, at least with mine, you can either um, do full manual pedal, just like a normal bicycle, or I can do power-assisted pedaling, of which I've got, I think, five levels of assist, um, depending on the terrain I'm riding on. And then finally, uh, I can run mine in, as full throttle, almost like a motorbike or a scooter. I know different e-bikes have different um, different ways of operating. Yeah, some of them don't have the throttle, but I, I found last time I was at Gears and talking to David that pretty much now they're all coming with a throttle. Right. It was sort of a new thing when they first came out, but that's the thing too. So when you're riding an e-bike, you can ride it like a regular bike. Mind you, um, depending on your age and the strength of your, your legs and your knee, the shape of your knees, um, the back wheel is where the motor and all that stuff is. So it, it's quite heavy. So when I, and I sometimes do this when I'm riding through uh, parks or the cemetery, uh, we have a great ma uh, cemetery here in Toronto called Mount Pleasant Cemetery, which is basically like kind of a central park. It's, you know, right in the middle of the city. Anyways, uh, you... What I basically do if I want to ride without any power is, is I power down and then I, I lower the gears to make it easier to pedal because it's you know, otherwise it's quite, uh, it's quite tough to do. Mind you, that makes it a, a better workout too. But then you've got the assistant, and I always have it. I think mine has is, is got five levels as well. Um, on the fifth level, you might as well have a throttle on because you're, it's giving you as much assistance as it can. But basically the bike reads how you're pedaling. And then every few seconds gives you like a boost. It's, like, it's an electric boost to move you along. And you can ride along at one, which is kind of hardly any at all, but enough so that you're, it's compensating for the wheel. And then it moves up that way, right? So um, it, it's, it's great. And the thing, too, about the e-bikes, and I found this to be true, knock on wood, but they're less likely to be stolen 
if you, you know, you carry the battery or the, the guide pack around with you. So when I lock my bike, my, uh, the e-bikes all have a little screen on them. It tells you, you know, you've got how far you've gone, your speed, your, you know, your different, uh, levels and how much battery juice is, is left. Um, so my guy told me, take that in with you because it, you know, anybody stealing the bike's not going to know what level they're in and et cetera. Right. So I, of course, further on, if you're going to work or you're going to someone's place and you're locking your bike, take the battery in as well, because each e-bike, the battery has a specific battery to it. So if someone steals my bike without the battery, they can't go to Canadian Tire or a necessary bike shop and, and just replace the battery off the shelf, right? And if they do, it's going to cost them quite a bit anyways. Also, they don't have the charger. So I think e-bikes make more sense moving forward in the future because if you're smart, uh, they're less likely to be stolen. You know, uh, growing up, I had a lot of uh, Canadian Tire bikes, and I bought those, or my parents bought those, because they were about 100 bucks and change. If they got stolen, well, yeah, you're at a hundred bucks and change, right? They're a little bit mm -hmm. more now, but still, they're low-end bikes, and uh, people usually just steal them to get from one point to another, and then they toss them. Yeah. But um, that's what I think, and as an extra bonus about the e-bike is, if, if you're smart and you're careful, uh, take your battery or your 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 power screen with you. Your bike's less likely to be stolen. Yeah, now mind you, the, those batteries, at least mine weighs about seven pounds, so carrying that battery around uh, is a bit cumbersome. But I, I agree with you, and I, I know when I, certainly when I've finished using it, I just attach the battery, I take it inside, I plug it in, and mine takes about four hours to fully charge from, from empty, so that's not too long. How low do you let your battery go down before you say, okay, time to charge it? 10% or? I, I, I charge it whenever I use it. So my battery doesn't have any memory. So most, as people know, that batteries typically have memory. So, you know, in certain power devices, they ask you to let your battery completely discharge before recharging it again. You don't have to worry about that with e-bikes. So you can plug them in, whether they're fully charged, down one bar, down three bars. So I basically, as soon as I finish riding, I just bring it in and plug it in. Um, inside so the next person that wants to go for a ride just grabs the battery and out they go and hook it up to the bike um, but I do worry about theft not so much where I am um, so you know I've gone out I, I locked my bike with uh, three different locks just to make sure that that uh, there's nothing that uh, people are going to easily be able to steal because I know in major cities um, Vancouver and Toronto bike theft is is um, a fairly big thing um, but I haven't had any issues so far and, and again I would um, I, I, I just think the e-bikes are a great way especially as you get older and you really don't have I live on the top of a big hill so for me to pedal a, a normal bike up that hill yes I can do it but I'm soaking wet by the time I get to the top and so it's not something that I'm inclined to do on a day-to-day -day basis but with the e-bike is not a problem I don't need to uh, you know, um, have a, uh, a cardiac arrest coming up the hill every time I want to ride the bike. So I, you know, it works. It certainly works well for me. You know, the thing about the e-bikes is they are a significant investment. Um, you know, they they go I, they go from um, somewhere in the neighborhood of a you know a two thousand dollars and up. And actually, there's one on the market made by, I think it's by Audi. That's close to $60,000. So, so there is quite a, quite a price uh, uh, variation there. Um, and of course, in Canada, the e-bikes, uh, the ones that are non-licensed, 
I believe, and I don't know if it's province to province, but certainly out in BC, I think the maximum uh, speed is 28 kilometers an hour. Um, so there's a governor on there that that keeps it within that range. Yes, that's true. That's true. And I know that when I was buying mine, that was one of the selling features. It was like, if you buy this level, you don't need license and you don't need insurance, which was important to me because I didn't want to bother with that. I also love the, again, with arthritis, it makes it tough. And when I used to ride home uh, from work, which was downtown Toronto up to North Toronto, uh, if I went up Avenue Road or Mount Pleasant, I usually had to get off my old bike to walk it up just because after a day of working, there was no way my knee was going to help me up that hill. I haven't got that issue now. So it's 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 really handy. Mm -hmm. I have heard some negative feedback about the e-bikes uh, out here. Um, largely based on the fact that they go so quickly and um, it sort of startles people as they're walking through the park or walking along trails. Uh, the one I have is very fat tires, so I can take it on tra trail rides in the woods um, and across fields and all those sort of things. And I have heard some very negative comments from people about the speed and, and uh, the recklessness. They're like driving a motorcycle. And, you know, I, I don't think it's the bike. I think it's the rider, as in most things. Yeah, I think you have to be, you know, you have to use courtesy and common sense. I know that if I'm going through a park or going through a path where there's pedestrians, to either give myself lots of room or give them lots of room, and also not to go by full speed, right, just to you know, go by as I would on a normal bike, right? Um, so I think that's that's true. And, and also, too, just to say to people that if you get an e-bike, you definitely want to, well, on any bike, you should be wearing a helmet, but you want a helmet. But you also want to look at things, too, like um, having maybe a rear-view mirror. A lot of e-bikes, they come with uh, all sorts of accessories. But one thing I found really great is you can have a, a rear-view mirror on the left side of the bike, just out, outside of the handle. And it saves you from sort of looking back all the time, right? You just look in the mirror and there, you know, there it is. You can see pedestrians or automobiles or whatever. Also, too, um, bike gloves are inexpensive and um, uh, good to have. And uh, I've been told that, you know, a lot of times if we fall off our bike, we lose our balance. The first thing we do is put our hands out. And if you're laying on pavement or the road, you know, you can scrape or uh, scratch, uh, you know, scratch up your hands. So it's good to have bike love just for that purpose also you look really cool <laughs> well what i love about the e-bikes in general is the ease in which it, it allows me to get on the bike because of the uh the throttle so i can sort of put one foot on the pedal and and uh give a little boost with the throttle and swing my leg up and off I go. So at my age, it's a good idea to have some assistance with that. Um, but anyway, I, you know, I think in, in, you know, major cities in, in Canada and the U S you know, multi-lane roads and car parking take up to 50, 60% of all real estate and, and rob, you know, residents of parks and other open areas and make, which makes social distancing on, congested sidewalks nearly impossible. So I think it's a great great time to rethink transportation modes and models and reclaim some space, um, you know, that have been allocated in the past to CO2 belching vehicles. Um, you know, I think it's a great trend, and I, I hope we see it continue. Now, tell me, do they have uh, bike share programs in Vancouver? I'm sure there are. You know, where you can go and rent a bike and go from... Uh, they're very popular here in Toronto, and they... they grown from just being in the downtown core now up into areas of north toronto north york so you can you know, like um our, our friend arlie you know 
grabs a bike at Davisville, rides it down to where he works and locks it up and then, you know, grabs one on the way home and he just has a helmet he carries with him, right? Anyways, yeah. talking to him the other day, some of those bike share programs are now looking at putting in e-bikes. Yeah, they're really, that's very popular in the United States. You know, when I was in um, Dallas two years ago for the Crossroads uh, Music Festival, Dallas has, you know, e-scooters and e-bikes. Uh, uh, again, bike share programs or, you know, where you go in and use your credit card, you rent, you rent a bike, you ride it to another location and you deposit the bike there and, and pick up another one if you're riding home. So they're all over the United States in certain states. Um, and I, I know they've been in Toronto for some time now, even, even gosh, I think even dating back to the early 2000s when I first saw the bike sharing programs, uh, I think they were, they were yellow, they were called yellow bikes in Toronto. So again, I think, yeah, cities are starting to accommodate the bicycle. Um, you know, the e-bike thing is a bit more problematic, I would think, from uh, a bike sharing perspective. You know, I noticed when I was, again, when I was in Dallas, there was a lot of abandoned uh, e-scooters and bikes all over the place. Like every street corner, we were, people were leaving them in parks and things like that. So it was a bit, um, I think, more problematic to manage those things and probably more expensive. But I do think they are a great... Uh, you know, again, a great way for people, especially visitors to a city, you know, who don't want, who don't understand the public transit system or don't want to get on it because of the COVID-19 virus, you know, they can use bikes and, and all the hotels have bikes for loan. I know, in, and certainly in Toronto and I know here in Vancouver, if you want to take a bike, you can just go to the concierge and say, look, I want a bike and they'll bring one up front just like they would your automobile. Yeah, no, that's great. And I think too, anybody has to understand too, and this is probably why it hasn't necessarily been initialized, but there's a, you know, you, there's a little bit of a learning process that goes with getting on the e-bike. Um, I got one because my former bike was destroyed in, a, in, a, in an accident. So the insurance company paid for an e-bike, but I had a guy who took me up for an afternoon and just helped me get familiar because when that, when, when the power kicks in, if you're not used to it, uh, and you're not used to what kind of power and whatever. You have to know what what you got under the trunk, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so if if you're just renting those things, you could get any newbie that would get on it. They go to pedal, and next thing you know, the side of a wall. Yeah. Well, I, I know that happened with uh, my wife when she first got on hers. She, you know, grabbed the handlebar to get on the bike, and in the doing so, she you know, crank the accelerator and the bike shot away from her. So I, you know, I know on my bike, you can turn off the throttle uh, with a button on the handlebar. So that doesn't happen, but that's the first thing that happened to her too. She grabbed the handlebar, went to get on it and the bike shot out ahead of her. So that you're right, it does take a, a little while to get used to it. Same thing happened to me. I came off the elevator one of the first days that I had it on my own and I was, you know, backing it out of the elevator and I was turning around to get out of the lobby and my hand went on the throttle. Next thing, I'm holding the bike up like it's a, it's like a, a crazed horse. It's trying to guide some steer. And I'm like, whoa! And some guy's like, take your hand off the handlebar. There's a lot of things. The easy thing with that is, as soon as you put it on assistance, then the throttle no longer works. So that's what I automatically do before I get out is right away put it on assistance because then you have to be standing on the pedal for it to move, right? Right. You know, another interesting application of these bikes has been on golf courses. So out here, um, where I typically golf, they introduced um, e-bikes onto the golf course. 
And of course, that, that caused all kinds of excitement around the golf club, and everybody wanted to try them. But they were, you know, a ton of fun. Now these ones look more like little Harley Davidsons rather than bicycles. But you strapped your golf bag in, um, in between your legs, and it came up over your handlebars so that when you parked the bike, you could easily reach the club that you wanted to make the shot. Uh, so this is now becoming uh, prevalent, or at least golf, co golf courses are experimenting with them. I, I think some of the older members are not too keen uh, seeing people tearing around the golf course on, on, on e-motorbikes, e but... You know, I do think it's a way, and, and they're using it, of course, as a way to attract uh, young people to the sport, make it fun. Um, so they're, they're using e-bikes, they're using hoverboards, um, they're using regular bikes with, you know, um, baskets on the side of the bike for your clubs. So I think it is, it is something that is taking hold in many different areas of our society. For sure, for sure. I saw a guy the other day, um, you know, working for Uber Eats on an e-bike. I said, that an e-bike? He goes, yeah. He goes, I, <laughs> I get twice as much done in a day as, as I did on my old bike. Because, um, you know, he can drive faster and stuff like that. So, no, it's a, it's a great new world if, if everybody starts, more people start, you know, riding bikes and, you know, driving cars, right? Yeah, agreed. And I, in fact, I think, you know, in centers like Toronto and downtown Vancouver, getting around on a bike uh, is much faster than trying to drive a car. You know, there's just there were just too many cars, um, and I think you'd actually get from point A to point B much more quickly on a bicycle than you would a vehicle. Yeah, for sure. And I even think too, smaller cities, places like London, Ontario, even Victoria, um, where you don't have a big transit system and uh, it's not as easy to hail a cab. Those places are advantageous to to having bicycles and e-bikes as well. Well, yes, particularly you know places places in um, Victoria, which, you know, and, and, and even Vancouver to a certain extent, where Uber has not really taken hold. Um, a bicycle provides a, a really good alternative because cabs are extraordinarily expensive. And Victoria is doing a lot of work, by the way, on this and building more bike lanes, uh, bike-only um, streets, uh, you know, removing parking from streets so that um, it's safer for cyclists. You know, they've had a lot of pushback. You know, again, change is difficult for people, and um, but, they, but they're moving ahead. So it, it's clear that, you know, those, are, those people involved in planning cities see this as the future, um, as a positive future uh, for their cities. For sure. And I was out in uh, Alberta about a year ago visiting my cousin and his family, and we, uh, we rode from their place in Canmore to Banff. And from Canmore to Banff, is a big bike trail. It's off the highway. I mean, you can see it from the highway, but it's got two lanes of, of cyclists going back and forth, and it's uh, it's very cool. And it, and it's a it's a dirt path, right? It's a it's not a pavement, and right. uh, it was it, it was I wouldn't say packed, but it was very busy when I was out there. Yeah, my understanding is they're trying to integrate you know a whole network of paths through. Um, well, certainly through British Columbia and maybe into Alberta too, almost like the Trans-Canada bike lane uh, where you can ride between provinces, which I think is a fabulous idea. There's nothing, uh, you know, nothing that would be much more fun than taking a, you know, a week-long bicycle trip uh, through the Rockies, you know, and certainly e-bikes, if, if you're of our generation, are a lot easier than regular bikes, but I, I think it's a great, um, I think it's a great trend. Yeah. My nephew told me years ago uh, when he was still out in B.C., that he'd been out in Whistler, and this was like this time of year, and I said, well, there's no skiing out in Whistler. And he said, no, but there's 
trails. And he said, buddies of mine go out there. We rent bikes. And he would have been in his early 20s at the time. And they do the mountains. Yeah. On a bike. You know, yeah. a mountain bike. They, they, there's certain ways they could ride through. And some of the guys were real hot doggers and, you know, would be able to do, you know, jump from hill to, I don't know, whatever. Jump from sure. Path and stuff like, kind of like skateboarders do, but uh, and um, I inquired recently, and it's it's still a popular uh, destination for that uh, now. Yeah, absolutely, it is, and and in fact, many ski resorts across the province, you know, use their infrastructure, their lifts, to transport bicyclists up to the top of the mountain so they can ride through ride the trails down uh, certainly you know where i have a, a place in in kimberley bc they have that they have a, a special hookup for bikes on the back of chairlift so you just load the bikes on the back of the chairlift and up you go and then you can ride the trails on the top of the mountain we have to do that you and i have to do that or are we too old <laughs> well, we, maybe we're not too old, but we're not going to go to the same speed as I see some of these others doing. <laughs> Great! <laughs> but uh, yeah, a ton of fun. I, you know, as I say, I'm, I'm able to take both my regular bike and my e-bike on the trails uh, around here, and it's it's a blast. <laughs> you know, and there's something about that little boost of power that comes from when you're stuck trying to navigate a tight corner and you can just give it a little bit of power and it brings you around the corner a little faster instead of wobbling and falling over. That's true. I think it's time for a ride. I think it's time for a ride. Enjoy the weekend. <laughs> you do. Okay. Talk soon. To find out more about the bicycle and to view some images of old bicycles and new bicycles, please visit our blog at forwhatitsworthpodcast.blogspot.com. Again, forwhatitsworthpodcast.blogspot.com. Join us next week for another episode of The Space In Between.